Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as host Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Well, I hate to break it to you guys, but this is the Mike Abadir Show, but it's the one and only Pop DiBiase, the primetime capper. Mike will be joining us in a, a few minutes. He got a couple little things that he is taking care of before he gets on to the show with us, but he'll be on with us in about the next 15, 20 minutes. So it's not, it, Mike is still with us. I haven't taken over the show all the way yet, but today I will lead us off and kick us off on uh, what we need to talk about. But we got a lot going on in the uh, world of sports. We got MLB uh, in full throttle right now. We got the NBA playoffs uh, very close uh, to being paired up because we have the play in that we have to deal with. We just seen that the uh, commanders are in principle of being sold. I'm not going to touch on that subject as of yet, because I would like to see that situation become official. We got some NFL free agency news with OBJ heading over to the Ravens as well, too. So that's pretty huge. Where should I start? Where should I start? Where should I start? We'll go ahead and we'll start with the NBA. The NBA, I feel like, you know, we got the playoffs going on right now and everything like that. So why wouldn't it be the best topic to talk about right away? Because we got a lot going on in the NBA as we speak right now. And you guys know I'm right here in the L.A. area. And if you watch my show on a daily basis, listen to it on a daily basis, be primetime angles. You know that I do have a subject called the state of the Lakers. And pretty much the Lakers right now are the seventh seed. They went ahead and clinched the other night. They look good. They it, it was a little bit of a um it was a little bit of a battle. You know what I mean? And when I say a little bit of a battle, it was a real battle. The Lakers really had to put it all together the other night to go ahead and get this victory get that victory. At one point, the Lakers were down 15 points in the third quarter, and it was just wow, what what are we doing here? The Lakers wound up having one of the better defensive fourth quarters and overtimes that you could have for a game that was so crucial. The Lakers only gave up 16 points in the fourth quarter and overtime, 12 in the uh, fourth, four in the uh, overtime. The Lakers were absolutely tremendous on the defensive end, but there's still a lot of things that to be desired with the Lakers right now as well, too. I truly do feel like the Lakers, the only way that they can really dominate in games and really win games is with AD being the lead man. It has to be AD's team, and LeBron has to just be the luxury. I feel like when LeBron overdoes it a little bit, the Lakers find themselves in a position to where the game gets really hard to win. And that's no fault of LeBron's. It's just that it becomes a dependency factor on the uh, on the Kang himself. And I think that the Lakers, they need to really understand that it is a team. It, it's a team sport, and this is how they got here. LeBron was hurt all of March, and the Lakers went 10-5. and five. That was pretty much the way that they got to the playoffs. The Lakers at one point were the 13th seed. And when they made their trade at the trade deadline, I was actually in the lovely city of Phoenix, um, 
And I remember telling Arash Markazi, who, write, who used to write for the LA Times, uh, when we were all over there at Media Week, that this Laker team is going to be the team that's going to be the change because it's not going to be LeBron dependent. And this was the perfect team for AD. You had D'Angelo Russell first day. He wants to make sure he has AD assert him and AD have a relationship, pick and roll, all that good stuff. Vanderbilt wants to make sure that he has your back on the defensive end. Beasley wants to make sure he had your back on the perimeter. And these guys were really good players for AD, not for LeBron. These aren't for LeBron. LeBron already got already got to pick and choose who he wanted to uh, play on this team. This was Rob Polinka in the scouting department doing a great job on bringing in the right players. And I think that the Lakers really do have what it takes to get to the NBA Finals. But I say, hold your horses a little bit. The Western Conference is a very tough conference. That's why the Lakers had a tough game the other night. I'm going to be dead honest with you. I'm a person that is, I would call myself a Laker lifer, but I'm realistic as well, too. I'm not going to be a homer about anything. The Lakers have pretty much, to me, the seventh best roster in this top 10 of the playoff teams. With LeBron and AD are two future Hall of Famers, no doubt. But the rest of the group, they're very good basketball players, but they're playing great basketball because they're playing because they're together. They have great chemistry. But if you take these guys individually and put them anywhere else in the NBA, they're just some really good role players or guys at the end of your bench. But they're not bad players. That's I'm not saying they're bad players. I'm just saying that they don't have the same looks that the team that LeBron had last season when it came to you know, star power or the season before that when they had Carmelo and Howard and all these former all-stars, it's a different type of group. It's more like a group that Kobe had when he was winning a championship, you know, a group of guys that are just going to play basketball and play to the best of their abilities. They're not over here trying to over impress the stars of the team. And that's why the Lakers have came together. I see that Darvin Ham gets a lot of uh, flack for a lot of things that he does, but the coach can only do so much. You guys can't keep depending on coaches to always be the reason why it's a win or loss situation for these players. The players are always accountable. They're the ones scoring buckets. They're the ones uh, fouling. They're the ones making bonehead plays. They're the ones making smart plays. As the great Bill Wall said, players don't play for coaches. Players play for themselves. They play for each other. So stop always using the coach as the scapegoat every time something goes wrong on the court. That's not on the coach. That's on the team. The Lakers have made a lot of mental mistakes all throughout the season. LeBron said it best. It feels like they played four or five seasons this year. The Lakers, it feels like they had four or five different teams this year. That's how crazy it's been for the Lakers. But since... February, the Lakers have been one of the better teams if, in the league record-wise. And when you look at their record from st- uh, 2 and 10 start, they went 41-29 and 29 since that point. That would be, I think, probably third best in the league since that time. 
So if you take the Lakers into reversing that into a 10 and two start, the Lakers have the best record in the NBA. So that's just how crazy good this AD and LeBron have been this season. And I think that's absolutely incredible. But at the same time, too, it's a very flawed unit. So you cannot sit here and tell me that the Lakers are going to have a walk in the park with the Grizzlies. That's not going to happen. The Lakers beating the Grizzlies is an upset. And when they get to the next round, whoever they beat in that round is an upset. Whoever they beat in the uh, conference finals would be an upset because there's six teams that are better than them in the West. And as you guys can see, the Wolves, if they had their full unit, the Wolves wouldn't even been in a play-in. The Wolves were considered top four in the West. So, you know, everybody having this, oh, they were shorthanded, and how could you let them stay in the game? It's pro basketball. They are professionals. They are going to step it up. They all can They can all face off with each other. I just don't get this, this idea that, you know, we're still at the Boys and Girls Club and you lost the your best player on the team, so all of a sudden you're not a good team anymore. No, you want to show up. You want to show and prove that you know that you're just as skilled as the star player. So you're going to show up. And that's exactly what Minnesota did. So I really do think that this group, one through eight, might be the toughest playoff brackets you'll ever see ever. I really say to myself, do we even need seeds this year? Let's keep it real. Because look at Denver. Denver is probably in the back of their heads like, this isn't going to be a cakewalk for us. Because if they draw, they would much rather draw the Thunder, in my opinion. Because if they draw Minnesota, Minnesota can win that series. That's the best player in the series. Other than Jokic being on the floor, that's the best player out there. Let's keep it real. You know what I mean? And when you have the best player on the floor, Ask AD. He did it a few years ago against the Blazers when he was with the Pelicans. So that's a dangerous situation in itself. The Lakers and the Grizzlies have somewhat of a rivalry. Those guys want to show this is like almost a changing of the guard in a sense. You know, if Ja wins, does he become the face of the NBA? Because he's the definition pretty much of today's NBA player. Even with all the controversy, this 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 is who these guys are. You know what I mean? They're all gang gang or whatever they want to be. You know, um, and you got just really a team in the Sacramento Kings is what the hell are you doing here? Hey man, y'all, it's been a while. How y'all the third seed? Well, because they got one of the best rap world records in the league. And because they got one of the best records against the Western Conference in the league. I mean, in the Western Conference. Not, not, you know, and they also are a team that was built very carefully. And they got a star. They got two star players. And then they have a sending player in Keegan Murray. These guys have a, a, a legit big three that they, they created. Oh, my goodness. They look just like the team that they're playing. The, the 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 new version of them. They look just like the Warriors. Damn near carbon copy. They just haven't signed the big free agents yet. 
The Kings are dangerous. They're really dangerous. And you're giving them plus 200 on the uh, series price? How much can you trust a team that didn't even win 10 games on the road this year? Hmm. I don't care if it, if it's only 30, uh, an hour and a half down the street. Don't matter. The Kings are the third seed for a reason. They play way better basketball this season. So all this Warriors are automatically win the series talk, cut it out. That team will burn up your money. That's what, I, what I'm kind of feeling like, you know, because the Warriors have been bad on the road. And Sacramento's not going too far. Their crowd is coming. Their crowd will be in San Francisco as well, too. They are hungry for this. You know what I mean? In a small, in the capital of California, knowing that it's pretty much like the smallest market out the group, you know that they're going to have the loudest fans out the group. Crazy. Because we got all four teams from the state of California in the playoffs. Like, in the playoffs. And we got all five teams from the Pacific Division in the playoffs. Now, we got four and five. Four and five might be, could possibly be a preview of the Western Conference Finals before the Western Conference Finals. We could possibly have the de facto Western Conference Finals in the first round. Because Phoenix and the Clippers, and Phoenix and Clippers are two of the highly more favored teams in the Western Conference right now. Those are who everybody feels like are the two most complete teams in the conference. And they're playing each other in the first round. That's bittersweet in a sense, because you say to yourself, both these teams should be, they should be the one and two teams. That's what you would have thought uh, when you look at how all these teams are constructed, but they're not because once again, the whole Western conference, every single team in the Western conference had a two and 10 moment, just like the Lakers. They're not that far apart, three through three through ten. They're just not that far apart. Really, four through ten. They're not that far apart. And eleven and twelve are not that far off from being in the play. We're not that far off from being in the play. So the Western Conference is absolutely stacked. And literally four and five for two teams that should be way higher up there. This is really what the NBA wanted to avoid. You don't want this type of matchup in the first round. And that matchup becomes probably one of the more tougher ones to call. But we know that Phoenix is the favorite in that situation. They definitely are the favorite in that situation. So the Clippers, can they go ahead and do something better than just, you know, having a really good regular season? That's the biggest question that you ask. But with this bracket, you say to yourself, this is wild and crazy. This is even crazier than the college basketball brackets because it's like these teams are not that far apart, and it does come down to coaching. Who's the better coach? And that's where I kind of say to myself, I dial it back on the Lakers because the Lakers, when you look at, when you rank the coaches that are here, the Lakers don't have a top five coach in this group. Darvin Ham is 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 a good player, a good former player, you know, good to talk to you and pump you up, motivate you and things like that. But when it really comes down to getting the absolute best out of your guys, I tend to see that LeBron is the one that is really getting these guys to operate. He's not the he's not paid to be the head coach. So my thing is this. The Lakers will have to be 
better than advertised. They're gonna have to be. They're gonna have to be on another level here. It's gonna be tough. It's gonna be really, really difficult. Memphis is a hungry team, and with the behavior of Shannon Sharp a few months back, they got some motivation. You know, especially when they come to LA. So you know, all this we need Shannon on the sideline. We need this, that, and the third. I would need. I would. I would make sure that man sits in the box. He's not sitting on the sideline. We don't want to give these guys any motivation. And that's how I truly feel. So it looks like we're getting closer to commercial. And from what I can see here is we got ourselves a pretty good game going on here in um, Minnesota. Not Minnesota, but a pretty good game going on here in the Bronx. Base is loaded right now. Um, looks like they are looking to get themselves on the board fairly early as well, too. They got er – well, actually, they got somebody on second. I'm sorry. It looks like they had the bases loaded, but they don't. But um, I'm just talking about this one because they are my dog of the day as well, too. Um, if you guys are interested in being an exclusive client, you guys can sign up with me on the Twitter at PopDiBiase. Or you guys can go hit me up on the Prime Wave Media at yahoo.com and you guys can inquire about that and join the family and jump into that winner circle with me, um, just like we did this morning with the plus one and a half on the A. So, you know, if you guys are interested in that regard, let me know. But today's dog of the day is the Minnesota Twins. And um, pretty much uh, that's what it is. But when I get back, we're going to jump into some more. NBA playoffs, we're going to talk about the East side a little bit. Uh, the Eastern Conference is, is see the big difference in how the Eastern Conference bracket is. So you guys stay tuned. I'll be right back to you. This is the one and only Pop DBS, the primetime capper, and this is the Mike Abadir Show. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety channel voice america programs are now available on your favorite connected device including amazon alexa and google home through streams with apple podcasts tune in and iHeartRadio. listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast hey alexa play finding your frequency podcast if that doesn't work try adding on tune in or on iHeartRadio or on apple podcasts have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. 
stimulating talk. It gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Pop DiBiase doing a stellar job in the first segment of the Mike Abadir Show. Pop, you were telling me off air a little bit about the uh, the end of the line for for the Warriors. I think that the Bay Area, the Yay Area, Oakland, San Fran, San Jose, you'd be very disappointed to hear that. But you'd be surprised to hear that it would not be a good consolation to have the Kings take the mantle because the Kings are just popular in just the Sacramento locale. Probably one of the least popular teams overall, I would say, in California. But I'm going to be a happy camper if we see the Kings advance to the next round, man. It's been a long, long time between drinks. Well, you know, before you got on air, I did say that, yes, they are the smallest market in the state of California when it comes to any sports team other than their neighbors, the San Jose Sharks. But at the end of the day, they got – the 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 larger fan base in a sense to say that their fan base is going to be loud and proud when it comes down to their Sacramento Kings. I remember when the Sacramento Kings were a good team and they did become a national phenomenon in a sense where people were in love with those guys from cow country. So I really do feel like they were able to, you know, establish themselves as somebody that you had to reckon with, you know, when they were at their best. And I think that you know, it was a pretty good. It was they might have had one of the one. They they're they're in the top five of teams that didn't win an NBA championship that should have won an NBA championship. So I think that a lot of people will 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 get the feeling. But you're so right about that, Mike. It's always been a big. It's always been a really really big obstacle for Sacramento ever since they moved to Sacramento in '84. From Kansas City, they were a failing franchise when they got there. Literally, they were about to be put out of business, and they had right. to go to Sacramento. Uh, there were, there were, and Sacramento, everybody's yeah. looking at, what the hell are you going to Sacramento for? Like, what? <laughs> I'm sorry. Remember, ahead, they used to call it, remember, they used to call it Cowtown. Right, because, you know, when you think about it, you say to yourself, you got all these NBA major cities, and then you're, you're going to move a team to Sacramento? the capital of California that they barely acknowledge, you know, I think Sacramento got to go down with about 10 other States where your capital city is not your major city. That's absolutely nuts. Just like Carson city, Nevada. So, you know, like I think we got it kind of wrong on the West coast, Mike, with the capitals, you know, I think we got it a little wrong there, buddy. You know, yeah, I don't of, really know how that came about, but right. how those decisions were made. But yeah, they they definitely didn't get it right uh, in terms of the uh, the locale. But what I'll tell you is that the Sacramento fan base is super super passionate, and they they love their Kings. They support the AAA baseball teams regardless of who the affiliate is. And uh, overall, I would say that 
I think, and I said this the other day, I think they can hang with MLB type of capacity crowds. You know, I think that they could they could get the job done if they bring an MLB team there because the Sacramento area does extend quite a bit in each direction. And you would actually also get the fans from Reno, et cetera. And, that, that, and those are the folks that are Kings fans. You know what I mean? Right. And so, you know what? You're right, Mike. You, you're hitting a good am point. Am I losing you here, Pop? I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. You know, hey, but you're so right, Mike, because when you, I think about it now, I do not want the Oakland A's in Las Vegas. I do not. I don't want another pro sports team in Las Vegas at all right now because I don't think Las Vegas is is as, as that great of a sports town as they think they are. I just think everything is a cash grab for them. The hockey situation is 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 fluid. It's good, but the Raider situation is a little. They're they're kind of dampering the Raider brand just a tad bit because the Raiders aren't aren't a uh, a uh, uh, Vegas. Uh, nightly show. You know what I mean? They're an NFL football team. And every game shouldn't be a close call. It just seem, doesn't seem right, Mike. Think about it. Like, why does every game have to end in a field goal or the final possession? Like, it seems like a scripted show. You know what I mean? I think, I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot of integrity here. And with so many sports betting situations trying to be outside a stadium. Yeah, well, look, I think you got to make a good point because to me, it seems like the Raiders are kind of part of this like Las Vegas novelty act, you know? Right. Um, I, I don't think, you know, yeah, show strip clubs, you know, for the women uh, and, and sports, including the Raiders. And that's just kind of the way it is now. And so I don't think it's necessarily great to build a fan base, but it'll sure make Mark Davis and the Raiders ownership group a lot of money. Right. But I just think that, you know what, at the end of the day, Mark just pressed the situation because he didn't have any more patience with the Bay Area. I honestly think eventually they would have been able to get their stadium about now. You know what I mean? I think about now would have worked. And now you said Sacramento as well, too, Mike. And it's like, wow, you could have went down to Sacramento and just been still and just called yourself the Bay Area Raiders. Like, you didn't have to do all the extras and go to leave a whole state that's been your supporter for the last 50 years of your existence. And then still, this whole state is still supporting your team because Las Vegas is still not big enough to support a team the way that you want them to support a team. Those people don't have those people. I know people in Vegas. They much rather go to some to some local bar in their neighborhood and go watch the game. They don't want to be tied up and bothered with no uh, game. They can say they they like to go to events all they want to. They moved to Vegas for a reason to get out of all the 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 the, the fun. You know what I mean? They just want to live there because it's 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 affordable living. That's it. You know what I mean? It's it's it, yeah. The, everything that you see is for the tourists, and that's what the Raiders have become. It's like literally, how can other teams like bad teams even have big their big their little ass fan bases still overtake that stadium? That makes no sense, Mike. Makes no sense at all. Yeah, I'm with you, man. We can we can talk about a lot of the subplots when it comes to that issue, 
because I'll still maintain till the day I die that they should have been, if they're going to leave Oakland, which I didn't want them to do, but if they were going to, they had no business being anywhere outside of Los Angeles. Exactly. And I still just get mad because I said, Jerry Jones, you should you needed to stay out of it. This had nothing to do with you. It had nothing to do with the Dallas Cowboys. You know what time it is when it comes to the L.A. market. It belongs to the Raiders, and there's nothing you can do about it. Now, when you put the Rams back into the L.A. market, you just get slapped L.A. in the face because they did not want to play in the city of Los Angeles after 1979. They wanted to go play in Orange County so it could be a more comfortable situation for their fan base at the time, which I don't want to bring race into it, which was predominantly white. And at that point in time, South Central Los Angeles was making a turn into being a more urban neighborhood, and it was starting to get a little bit more dangerous. So they saw the writing on the wall, just like the Brooklyn Dodgers, and said, you know what? We need to be in a safe place for our fans. Al Davis, he was like, we from Oakland. We don't care. This, whatever. And they pulled up, and they enjoyed the Coliseum. The Coliseum became like a a a, a fun, uh, it became like the 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 hood party every single Sunday, and you got guys playing in the parking lot on the concrete, Mike on the concrete, and you got guys who were from rival gangs doing this as well too. So, do you see the the type of of impact that this team had? So, why would you say okay they don't get to get LA because? I don't want to be second to the uh, to the L.A. market. Jerry Jones is maybe the worst thing that ever happened to the NFL. Seriously, because he's so greedy. well. Not in terms of their dollars and cents pocketbook. That's I sure. know, but he's just so greedy, dude, and he's just so greedy. And you should not have that much more power over. You shouldn't be in other owners' business that tough, bro. You just shouldn't be. And I feel like. You know, he did that because he pushed out all the old men, all the all the OGs from the original fraternity. They all had to deal with Jerry because after a while, like you said, Mike, he was able to get all the corporate sponsors. He was able to do all this, do all that. But the thing is, at the end of the day, he tried to make his team have the uh, biggest competitive advantage over everybody. That's not fair. That's not fair at all. Your team shouldn't be the first one that they show on every Sunday. The Cowboys weren't even good every single season he's on that team. Look, literally to me, they only been good about 15 years out the deal. Honestly, keep it real, Mike. Keep it real. Where they were really a superior team. Maybe 15 years out the 30 years he's owned the Cowboys. The rest of the time, they've been a bad team. Let's just be honest about it. And in reality, he only had... I think, I think that's being generous. In reality, he had one quarterback. That was successful. Trey Aikman. Everybody else was is borderline is is borderline. Borderline average. Tony Romo was good because he became a good media story. He was never a good quarter great quarterback. Dak Prescott is is kind of a, a gimmick situation because Jerry got in trouble for telling his players not to kneel. So he had to go get a brother to be his quarterback to clean that up a little bit. So yeah. We all know that that's the most fraudulent franchise to ever walk the earth, and I don't care no more. I had to say it about the Dallas Cowboys because they wreck my nerves right now. That's why the NFL is such a such a a, a petty place now because of that team. 
It really is, dude. Think about that. And then we got a guy leaving today. We got a guy getting out now, uh, Snyder, who literally you're going to give Jerry all the credit, but Snyder had something to do with a lot of the money coming in as well, too. And that's why they're not going to give up his files, Mike, because he knows some things about the rest of y'all that you don't want them to know. So we're not going to snitch out our brother. This is at the end of the day, the NFL ownership is a fraternity. And it is a secret. It is a secret society. Yeah, they're going to get caught on some stuff, but they don't have to reveal it to you because they run the league. They money makes the league happen. Yeah, but here's the funny thing. I think they all have dirt on each other, man. So it would open up Pandora's box if they uh, go go down that path, which is kind of funny to me, by the way, because, uh, you know, I don't want to get too political here. But, you know, I was talking to a friend the other day. I'm like, regardless of where you stand on the whole Trump uh, indictment or whatever, you know, it's going to open the door now in a big, big way where now every single politician is up for being a target, you know? And so you got to be careful what you hope for because at the end of the day, it's going to tie up our politicians in a bunch of nonsense and not getting the job done for the American people. That's my 30 seconds of editorializing, uh, you know, having dirt on one another. It's a slippery slope. And I think the NFL owners realize that, you know, they don't want to go down that path. They already have enough stuff that they have to contend with, uh, you know, besides the stuff that surfaces up, you know, the bubbles upward and manifests itself in lawsuits and firings and discrimination. I would say that there's probably not a single ownership group that's owned the an NFL team for more than 10 years that probably doesn't have some type of like sexist discrimination type stuff. Every, right. every franchise is probably subject to, it. I would not at all be shocked. And if the cheerleaders, for example, wanted to make a big uh, hoorah out of things, they could too, because they're not being paid Jack except for minimum wage, but they're required to travel. I could go on and on and on about things that I saw myself, but at the end of the day, you know, um, there's probably enough stuff that won't ta- it won't tarnish the brand or the legacy of the NFL, but it will definitely hurt their pocketbooks. And if you piss off enough people, perhaps it would tarnish the legacy uh, of the league. But we want to keep it positive here. We want to keep it. Uh, we got the hot and heavy stuff out of the way. I do want to transition to something remarkable that's happening that's not going to be talked about as much as it deserves to because it's not the Yankees or the Red Sox or the Dodgers doing it. But what Tampa's done to start this MLB season is absolutely remarkable and making me eat crow in a big way, Pop. And I know you told me last week, hey, don't give up on your pick. It's not a crappy pick just yet uh, because look who they've played. I'll tell you what, man. I don't care who you're playing. When you win 13 in a row, against big leaguers, you are doing something right. Most of these wins, by the way, are covering the minus one and a half for you betters out there. What are your thoughts about Tampa now, one week later from our last conversation, Bob? Well, you know, I watch Follow the Money every day, every day on uh, Spectrum. I know I'm giving them a good cosign and everything like that. Mitch Moss, Paulie Howard. But, um, yeah, I, I, I'm fairly entertained by the guys over there at Circa. And um, Mitch Moss actually called out a bet about three weeks ago, right before the season started, and said that he had the Rays 
having the most wins in March and April to start the year off. And he said, look at their schedule and don't tell me that they're not going to win majority of these games, at least the first 13 or so, the first, you know, four series. They, I don't, you're right, Mike. They, let's keep it real. They are, they did beat four teams that are auditioning for last place. Let's keep it real. But this is MLB baseball. Every game is 50-50. It don't matter how bad your team is. Come on, look at um, the Royals last weekend. They took two out of three in San Francisco. They were absolutely dreadful before they got to San Francisco that weekend. So there goes – it's all about matchups. And I just think that we're not talking about this guy enough, but Diaz is absolutely a monster. And – he homered today to start the game off. And I just think that when you look at this team, their first five hitters, they're absolutely studly. This team reminds me a lot of the 1992 Blue Jays. They got a lot of homegrown talent on the team. And they just, it's, they're just, they're, it's an ultimate situation because of how they built this team up. This team it was built, none, none of this comes from free agency. All this is built on the farm, and they took their proper steps, and they're right where they've always envisioned themselves to be. Even though they're not getting a lot of crowd to come to the game, they're still building, and that's what it's all about. And they built a team to the point to where this team can go next. This team can go run for run with the Yankees. We have to have a team that can stay up with the Yankees, not pitching-wise. We know we got better pitchers than them, but we got to stay up with them hitting-wise. And they got the unit for that. And when it's going 13-0, and it don't matter who you play. That's absolutely incredible. And I'm just kind of irritated today, though, Mike, because I had your Red Sox as a big dog special for my clients today, and they wound up having a 3-1 lead and then had a, a game of a seven-run fifth inning. Literally cut the lights out. That's how good this Rays team is. When they yeah, but Pop, it, Pop, let me tell you something. I'm going to stop you right there because I'm going to warn you on. for the rest of the season, the Red Sox are inconsistent. Bro, y'all are I'm going to keep it real. You're a last place team. I mean, that's it's just simply put. They're an inconsistent team, man. So be careful when you decide to, to throw down your hard-earned dollars on them. Mike, I think the over is probably going to be the most hear, consistent hear play out, involving the Red Sox all year long. Uh, Pop, let me, let's take a quick commercial timeout. Can you hold that thought until after the other side of the break? Yeah. Let's do it. We'll take a quick timeout, folks. We'll be back right after this. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. 
Tune in every Friday to get your weekend kickoff early. Join the legendary G. Keith Alexander for What's Hot Harlem America. The flagship show of the new Harlem America Digital Network has something for everyone. From the latest in entertainment to empowerment, health and wellness, and more, we'll bring you a variety of fresh viewpoints, voices, and ideas. What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander can be heard every Friday at 1 p.m. in New York and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at the com. Now, back to this week's program. Back with the man, Pop DiBiase. And during the commercial timeout, I was just telling Pop about a, uh, a theory that an analytics guy had shared with me. Uh, I'm not going to share his name, but he's, uh, let's just say he's got pro sports on his resume. He's done a lot, a lot of analytics stuff for pro teams. And Pop, before the break, was just talking about the uh, Red Sox letting him down um, from a perspective, which, uh, which sucks uh, because there was also let down for me from a fan perspective. So we're on the same side on it. But what, he, what this guy shared with me is this. He said, when, you, when baseball, when you get to a three-game streak, win streak, three-game lose streak, as a better, he's all, ride the streak. Play it every single day until the streak snaps. He's like, the interesting thing is most people look at it the other way. He's like, I admit, my way is counterintuitive because the thought process for most people is they're due to lose or they got to finally win. It's baseball. They're due to win. And he says during the course of the season, if you actually do the opposite of that, which is ride the streak instead of pressing the issue on their due, he's like, you'll come up a ton of money. And I went back and I looked, Pop, and I was like, man, he's kind of right because you would be riding – like in this case, a 10 game streak of, of wins, you know, but sometimes you're going to be catching like an eight game losing streak, a seven game win streak. And with the Dodgers alone, one could make a killing because they're uh, when he told me this was a few seasons ago and it was that season where they won like 22 of 23 games, but then they went on this like really ugly June, July dry spell. I don't know if you remember that. Um, and he was like, just the Dodgers alone, you would have been able to, like, kill it. So, anyways, I thought to share that theory. It's kind of an interesting one. Everybody, you know, uh, incorporate it as you wish. But I've monitored it enough to know that it actually is a winning strategy. Well, what are your thoughts, Bob? Well, you know, 
I ain't trying to be Mister. I ain't trying to be a big juicy hater or anything like that. But literally, like that's every. That's like a lot of people's analogy. Like just keep riding the street, and that is a smart analogy. Just keep riding the street until you know if you have a certain team that is a team you know that is going to be really good and they're going to win a hundred win games this season. Then you can just ride that team all season with the losses as well too, because your wins will out out stretch your losses if you're betting the same wager every single game it makes total sense in that regard but you know me i'm always trying to uh bet against the uh i'm try- always trying to bet with the house you know what i mean so if you, if i see a 90 percent of the action going on one side i'm going to be a part of the 10 percent. i don't care I, i'm we, with you i'm a contrarian we, i'm with you 100 percent if we can get we we can get beat by 60 points that day i'm just not gonna i'm just not gonna fall in fall in with johnny public because every time I fall in with Johnny Public, things don't go well. And I remember literally last, pretty much in the last few weeks, doing this tournament. Johnny Public was my worst enemy. Kansas State, um, Elite Eight game. You know what I mean? Like, it was getting ridiculous. My, like, literally, okay, let's put 90, 85% of us want to Kansas State today. Like, why don't you guys want to play Florida Atlantic, damn it? You know what I mean? Like, seriously. But then what I hate the most is, is then you get on Twitter and here goes the guy who says, oh, I had so-and-so and so-and-so and I had this, man, dude, you were not talking about this team and you were not talking about that, that you were you were not showing any confidence in that bet. So, no, that doesn't count. But, but Bob, you're kind of talking about two different things, though, right? Because well, I'm a contrarian alongside of uh, uh, right there with you. You know, I like going opposite the public. But I think when you're looking at, like, riding a streak one way or another, winning streak and losing streak, versus the mentality of they're due to lose or they're due to win, that could be used in in a few different ways, right? Which is maybe refraining from playing. You know what I mean? Like, hey, the public is all um, uh, on the – raised today as an example so i'm going to take the red sox but if i see that they're on this long winning streak i might be like you know what i'm just not going to play it then you see what i'm saying so sometimes it's to make the play but sometimes it's also to not make the play i don't know like i said each person has to kind of determine if it works for them or not take some changes and of course streaks do eventually end you know what i mean it's just a matter of what do you do during that streak? But in principle, I'm with you 100%, man. I'm Like, they didn't build all those towers in Vegas because the public gets it right. Well, These you know guys in Vegas didn't the lace their pockets because the public gets it right. That's for sure. You know how they built all those uh, – t- you know how they built all those towers in Vegas? He damn sure was no sports book. <laughs> <laughs> Table games. Table games. Table games, absolutely. So uh, let's let, let's uh, we've talked about Tampa. We've talked about streaks. Who are the teams that have impressed you so far in Major League Baseball? I will start really quickly by that the uh, NL West, I think, is kind of feeling itself out. Each of these teams. And I'm still waiting on that San Diego surge. I know you're not entirely convinced of the pitching, but let's start with the, the Dodgers, uh, Diamondbacks, Rockies, 
Giants, and, and Padres. You know, we're about 12 games into the season. What are you seeing in the NL West? Because I know you follow that division very closely. Well, the NL West is kind of like how the NL West is always to start the season off. The Diamondbacks always – when the Diamondbacks get to play against the division, they always seem to play a lot better. You know what I mean? To start the year off, they got some really good um, young players. Carroll is good. Perdomo is good. Um, the kid that they got from Seattle who hit the uh, two-run shot to beat the Dodgers uh, in at Dodger Stadium. Lewis, he's pretty good as well, too. Their pitching is still very – their pitching is good, but their bullpen is is really good. Their bullpen has been able to kind of keep things in check. And I think that they're growing. They, I don't know if they're a playoff team yet, but they're in first place right now. And I think that that Dodger series was kind of surprising that they beat them three out of four. But it wasn't too surprising because they played the Dodgers pretty tough in that series. Even though the Dodgers had two blowouts in that situation – the two games that the Dodgers lost, they shut the Dodgers down. They only scored one run in both of those games. So they they got some things that, that excite you a little bit. Now, the Dodgers are going through the motions. The Dodgers are getting to know their new players. But I will tell you this, James Altman, go ahead and book it now. That's your rookie of the year. That guy is tremendous. He's going to be the next big star with the Dodgers. Miguel Vargas is going to be huge for this team as well, too. But the guy that really stands out to me that nobody expected to be good, and this just goes to show how good the Dodgers' development is, Jason Hayward already hitting two home runs this year and being a very adequate uh, bat in the lineup as well, too. And then your boy Trace Thompson with his four home runs, he, he hit a monster shot yesterday. He's been good, but – we have a rotating outfield other than Mookie Betts. Everybody's going to be rotating in and out of that uh, lineup each and every night. So we don't have a set group in the outfield yet. So that's going to be something that's going to be questioned with the Dodgers. Now, with the Giants, the Giants are a very inconsistent bunch. They'll be r- real good one day, real bad the next day. Their pitching is very inconsistent. That's not good for the Giants moving forward. They're still about a year away from being – a team that actually makes something happen. Um, Rockies are the Rockies, Mike. You know, the Rockies are just having a regular Rockies April. They'll have some really good days. They'll have some really bad days. And then they'll have a 15-game losing streak, and we'll forget all about them again. Um, but the Rockies have some they, – they're, they're still a good ROI team, if I like to say. They're still a team that you can catch somebody slipping with on a good day. But right now, it's just early in the season, and things look good. They got some of the better players, but they're still a team that has a lot of flaws to it as well. And then we get down to your beloved Padres, you know, Red Sox West, I guess now, since they got your boy Bogarts. Um, That team is good. They just went to New York, won three out of four. That was excellent. That was excellent for them. And they're going home tonight playing against Milwaukee. I will say this. They probably had a tougher schedule than the Dodgers, and they've actually done better. They, Them and the Dodgers have the same uh, record. But I would say that they performed very well against the teams that they were really not supposed to be beating up on like that. So the Padres still are in a good spot to win the division as well, but it ain't no shoe-in. I still think that, it's between them and the Dodgers right now. 
And to be honest with you, the Diamondbacks might play a little bit of, you know, spoiler. Is they might they're gonna make it really tough for both those teams when they come to the desert. That's all I can say. I don't know how good they'll be on the road against them, but it seems like they got this new mojo at home. Like they really are playing good baseball out there in Phoenix right now. And I think as it's simply because the way the city's buzzing about the sun. So, you know, sometimes that rubs off onto the ne- to the team next door as well, too. And you know that um, Chase Field is right next door to Footprint Center. So that's kind of like my fruition of that. But right now, NL West is, is – is, uh, it, it, it's moving and grooving. That's, that's all I can truly say about that division right there. But the most impressive team to me right now, Mike, other than the Rays, has to be – the Twins. The Twins are playing excellent baseball. They're up 10 to zip right now. Nine runs in the first inning. And guess what? It'll actually 11 to zip. And guess what, Mike? They're the MLB bet us dog of the day off of primetime angles, plus 130. So there you go. That makes up for your Red Sox. Yeah, Twins have definitely been impressive. You know, going into today, by the way, the entire American League East was a uh, is in the green in terms of ru- uh, run differential, plus minus run differential. The entire American League East going into today's action. Uh, I think the Red Sox are now slightly below after uh, yielding that nine spot to the Rays in the game that you were just uh, alluding to, Pop. Definitely, Twins. Uh, they're they've got you know a top five run scored runs against scoring differential playing very well. Um, the Astros have uh, kind of got off to a little bit of a rocky start. The Angels, they're, you know, they're giving the fans reason to be optimistic. You know, that, that ball club, Taylor Ward, alongside Trout and Shohei, uh, they're kind of like a three-man squad. But, you know, it looks like they've been getting some decent pitching or whatnot. So we'll see how that goes. And then the other team worth mentioning is the Braves. Atlanta Braves just keep best doing team. their thing, man. Mike, best team in the best record in the National League right now, nine and four. Nine and four, man. They just keep doing their thing, you know. Yeah, they just they don't. This team doesn't doesn't lose. Uh, uh, they don't have bad losses. Put it that way. Very rare. They're very consistent when it comes to that. Uh, but another team playing to the schedule, and I will say this: this is why I said San Diego's really good. They beat them three out of four. Right. Yeah, San Diego just beat them three out of four. But other than that, they've been killing it. But they had to have three one-one uh, one-run wins against uh, Cincinnati. And right, I know we're going off in a moment, but Hunter Green, keep your eye on Hunter Green. Ten strikeouts yesterday. 23 on the season, as is. This guy's getting better by the game. If he can get some run support, watch out, Mike. I, I love Hunter Green. He's a strikeout machine. The guy is a top prospect, and I think that he's going to deliver for the Reds in the long run. I would say by year three, this guy is going to be a Cy Young Award contender. Uh, that's my prediction with him, because it takes sometimes a couple of seasons, really, to, to get into that groove. And, Pop, before we wrap, uh, just uh, a quick uh, mention about the Santa Anita Derby. The horse that finished second, that Japanese horse, man, look out. I really hope that that horse is able to qualify into the Kentucky Derby. It's on the outside looking in with 40 points. Uh, there That puts them in 23rd or 24th place. They'll need a couple of defections pop. But 
wish we had more time to talk about that race. I know that you were totally on top of the entire card last week. Let's try to squeeze in some racing next week, Pop. What do you say? That sounds good to me. We're getting real close to the Kentucky Derby, so you know we got to talk about it. Absolutely, my man. Well, this is the time of the show where I thank everybody. Thank Voice America. Thank Pop DiBiase, of course. Always check out and follow Pop DiBiase for good information. A little bit of humor in there sprinkled in his social media as well, at Pop DiBiase, Mike at Mike Abadier on Twitter. Thanks to Josh, everybody that makes the show happen. And most importantly, thanks to you, the listener. We'll see you same time, same place next week. Enjoy your sports weekend, everyone. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.